Hello listeners, hello followers, this is Mentally Sound. We're at episode 25 of our lockdown podcast series. Uh, welcome all, welcome all. Uh, if you're listening to us on our social media, uh, we welcome you. And if you listen via Spice FM, we welcome you as well. That's SpiceM 98.8 FM. That is 1pm on Tuesday afternoons. That's the new time on the on the schedule. So yes, we're at episode um, 25. Uh, just to remind you that we are a mental health, mental well-being show. Um, just as a disclaimer, uh, you might hear things that might be trigger or graphics, uh, gr- might be quite graphic, but uh, we do urge you, if you feel any um, uh, underlying sort of, you know, mental anguishes and so forth, that please do go and see your GP, because that's what they're there for. Um, you know, we encourage you to get the help that you need. Awesome. And um, yes, uh, well, without any further ado, I'd like to introduce our next guest because predominantly in this in this episode we're going to talk a lot about youth work, a lot of uh, youth project work because I know that's been affected under lockdown. Um, our special guest is Caroline. She's from Bad Apples Northeast, which is a sort of a is a so youth project, youth work project. Is that right, Caroline? So it's a youth project and we predominantly do music, dance and arts projects and diversity activities for young people. Yeah. So it's, I've always said we're not so much a youth project, but we're an arts organisation that does youth work. Right. So we're doing the fun stuff. So we do this, we've always done the street dance competitions yeah. and mixed that in with in fact loaded it with the youth work side of stuff and added in things like qualifications mm-hmm. um and volunteer opportunities for the young people that we work with as well yeah um, you mentioned a diversionary there what what is that in in definition terms basically keeping kids out of mischief by doing fun stuff oh right okay yeah so and we've in the past we've worked for everything from councils to the police and went in and done fun activities mm-hmm. that basically stop kids getting involved in youth disorder and or perceived youth disorder mm-hmm. when basically they're just hanging around and being young people mm-hmm. and sometimes stick an adult in the middle of that the complaints are a lot less yeah that's interesting i, I think we'll touch on that um later on in the chat um so you mentioned things like like sort of so street dance art sort of thing so it's sort of the arts involved with I guess more of an energetic feel about it. A lot of sort of the the movement. Is there a specific reason behind that? Um, um I just think it's something that I've always been interested in, and that's yeah. where we started from. Uh, my background originally, I used to work in bars and nightclubs, right, okay. and nightclub management, and ended up going into teaching. And I think when we first started the organisation, yeah, a lot of the people that I knew were interested in DJing, mm-hmm. music. Mm-hmm. street dance and it was the people that were around at the, the beginning of the organization when the scrap piece of paper went down with ideas of how we could tackle some of the issues yeah they were the things that we knew about right. and i think no matter what you do if you don't know about it you're not going to be very good at it so so this is back in 2010 you guys started yeah 2010. and uh yeah. what did you notice did you notice uh a sort of you know as they say in, in business terms i guess you know a gap in the market did you see a need for it particularly i guess where you guys are based and where are you based by the way as well 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 originally we started in ashington in northumberland right. mm-hmm. and how it all started is i qualified as a teacher and had a row with my mum right 
there was a kid kicking a football off my mum's garage door and she basically turned around and went, he's going to end up going down the same route as his dad, oh, yes. um, which wasn't a good place. Yeah. And I was like, fresh-faced, qualified teacher. And I said, mum, at the end of the day, if you give kids opportunities, mm-hmm. they can be whatever they want. You might end up being a pilot. And my mum said, bad apples don't fall very far <laughs> from the tree. From that, I did all the research about social enterprises, um, not-for-profit organisations, yeah. and spoke to a few friends, and then Bad Apples North East was born. Amazing. We started off, um, and it was plain and simple, I was still working in bars and nightclubs at this time, mm-hmm. and using borrowed Technics 1210s, mm-hmm. we started doing DJ workshops on weekends. Right. We started seeing, and while doing DJ workshops, literally extension lead out a window, in car parks outside leisure centres mm-hmm. and kids were just dropping in and mm-hmm. it started to get busier and busier. Mm-hmm. Then um, we put in for some lottery funding yeah, and then we got £10,000 for some DJ equipment yeah. and we were like, we're, we're going to have to do this properly now because we've got <laughs> outcomes to deliver. Yeah. We can't just keep on turning up and we're going to have to start. And it grew from there. And then we started getting phone calls to work with kids with schizophrenia and mental health problems. And then we started getting phone calls from youth offending teams wanting us to go and work with them. And it just grew and grew. And then from there, we ended up doing holiday play projects as well. Mm -hmm. And as I say, it started off with such a small thing that was just meant to be a weekend. Yeah. Like activities for kids to do and doing Mm -hmm. something good in the local community Mm -hmm. to... Ten years later, we've won awards for like our community work and yeah. being inspiring for young people and putting people through qualifications and stuff. So it's, mm-hmm. it's it it grew a lot bigger than what anybody expected it to. Did but you, it's been did brilliant. You, yeah, that's, that's that's fantastic. Did you find yourselves kind of venturing into areas where you never expected? So you mentioned the uh, the, the different organisations getting involved with you know, uh, kids who are vulnerable, um, kids with, with, with conditions such as uh, schizophrenia and, and other mental health conditions, were these sort of areas which you, you perhaps did, you know, surprise yourself into to, in terms of how, it, you know, the areas you were getting involved with? Yeah, completely, because it was just, it was just wasn't expected. We mm. thought it would always be just something fun on a weekend, and then yeah. we started to see that actually we can do more with this. Yes is and there's so many people that love music love dance and even just putting things like qualifications together yeah at one point we had an mc come up we had clubland djs coming up yeah um and working with the kids mm-hmm. and sitting down and turning around and explaining how important like knowing your maths and your english are yeah because you might end up getting ripped up if you don't understand contracts yeah you don't understand that side of stuff mm-hmm. and we had this mc come up from london who he basically sat down with the kids and he's like he give them all a thesaurus and went if you don't know your words mm. you're not going to be a very good mc you're right is and these kids all went home with a thesaurus and a dictionary each and like just things like that were a complete surprise to us. Are we talking? Um, are we talking as well, particularly the kids who found the classroom and school particularly hard hard to do yeah. it? And so you you guys were introducing a new method of of of, of I guess teaching like it. Like alternative education. Yeah. So I was taking my 
like my teaching qualification and yeah. mixing it in with my passion as well. Yeah. And so many kids were coming away with qualifications. We were giving them things like arts awards, mm. um, youth achievement awards as well. Right. And even just like some of the lower level um, youth work awards as well. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing the stuff that we've done and where it's ended up for some of these kids that they've used yeah. for university applications and everything else. So, mm-hmm. as I say, it wasn't something that we set out to do. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was always meant to be something fun for the kids and to raise aspirations. Yeah. But we I didn't expect 10 years later for it to be where it is and for the number of people that we've worked with and the number of people that we've had come and mentor the kids. Yeah. So we've had people like Jeffrey from Flawless come up and he's done um, dance workshop with the kids. Mm-hmm. And it, it has, it's been amazing. Some of the people that we've gotten to work with over the years and working with big organisations like UK Youth, yeah. who have, like, we've taken kids down to London mm-hmm. who have, have not been out of the northeast of England. Yeah. And being able to, like, there was a group of kids went down and went round the um, HQ with Global Radio and just getting to see and do things that you would not expect. Yeah. So that's been some of the most rewarding stuff that we never set out to do. Mm. But I think it's it's always had a little bit of a mind of its own. <laughs> it has. It's like when we first got that lottery funding, yeah. it was like, right then. We're going to have to put more than a few hours a week in. Yeah. We're going to actually not just borrow the equipment anymore. Yeah. So, uh, in terms of of the staffing involved in in your in your sort of project, do you uh, and in mind with with working with kids with these sort of conditions, were you were you employing people like counsellors and so forth to to help with their development and within the work you were the doing? That we the organisations that we were working with, they were the experts. Right. Is and then we went along as almost the people that offered the activities. Okay. Is so we worked together in partnership. It was never us taking the lead. Right. It was always a partnership because at the end of the day they worked with the kids for a long time. So you're relying on the expertise of the other organisations yeah. who are more involved in that, and right? Working together because I think as well it's about them relationships as well because some organizations we might only be there for four hours yeah yeah you know what i mean and in that time you can you don't know somebody's history or the full in-depth of what's happened in the past yeah and what triggers so we go in bring the fun mm-hmm. <laughs> bring the activity and do what we do best but work in partnership and uh, i think a lot is done before mm-hmm. the, before we go in and mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. is so we might go in and it might be bells and whistles and fun and games mm-hmm. but beforehand we've sat down and we've had that chat yeah about any conditions any issues that we need to be aware of mm-hmm. um and again on the other side how, how did it go is there anything next time that you want us to address or look at sure and I'm intrigued as well. So you've worked with councillors and schools and, and particularly you mentioned yeah. the police as well and you mentioned at the beginning that 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 these kids with these limited opportunities will will end up you know um getting into trouble and so forth so i'm interested in this particular liaison with the police that you've had do they do they do they sort of see this what you guys doing as a as a positive uh, not just because i guess it 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 gives them less to to, to deal with it in terms of you know working with troubled kids but i don't know do, 
maybe a, a sort of a healthier respect for the police, that kind of thing, that, that, that you know, positive community work and, and, and getting out of trouble that there's future and, and that kind of thing. Do you know what, do you know what I mean? One brilliant story that I can tell you about the police. We were doing a D-Day workshop and we had decks all set up. Yeah. And one of the, an off-duty police officer. Okay. Who was known to the kids, come trotting across to the decks, put the headphones on, off he went. And he was scratching and mixing away. And the kids were like, how were you doing? Yeah. Like that. And they were absolutely destroying him. And yeah. realised that he was actually a really good DJ. Yeah. And they were like, but you're a copper? And he was like, yeah, I was also a DJ and I've travelled the world doing it. Oh, and nice. that, that whole barrier of him being a policeman went and it, it, it completely changed that relationship. And I think as well, we've done other stuff where the um, the police were organising the five-side competition locally. Mm, okay. Um, and the police were the referees and the organisers and it took that barrier away where yes. it opened up them conversations when it wasn't at them and us. Mm. And I think sometimes, like, kids that are sometimes with their class as troubled kids. Yeah. Is, and you get that breakdown for relationship and actually a few positive words and a bit crack mm-hmm. can break down so many barriers for people. Mm-hmm. Is And just turn around and go, like, literally, yeah, we know we've had run-ins in the past. Yeah. So and what about the the relationship with schools then you mentioned qualifications do you have to get um we we sort of have to get in touch with national boards in terms of creating these qualifications or were they already there that you can sort of right then so there's there's different ways of being able to write your own stuff and yeah. working with national like boards for qualifications mm-hmm. it can be a bit of a chew on yeah um especially when you're trying to do something like mixing like a literacy qualification with like emceeing yeah yeah and writing lyrics and stuff like that but mm-hmm. there, are, there are ways and means of doing it mm-hmm. but we do a lot of things like the youth achievement awards yeah and the arts awards which are proper qualifications that yeah, can yeah. be used to get yeah. into and because they're not so heavily paper-based, mm-hmm. a lot of the young people engage a lot better because it can be evidence of things like photos. You can do, you can record what they're up to, and you can have like something like this, just having a chat. Yeah. And yeah. Around, well, what have you learned? How have you done that? Is there anything you want to improve on next time? Mm-hmm. So, and. It's being able to deliver a qualification in a different way. Sure. Yeah, because not everybody academics sit down, pass a test. And I think sometimes, especially creative people as well, can struggle. Yeah. To, it's, it's amazing. You can get somebody to write a beautiful piece, but then turn around and get them to explain the process of doing that piece. Mm-hmm. And they'll go, oh, I don't know what to write. So, yeah. so they might, they might find it difficult to... to um um cope with the 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 struggles the, the struggles of being in an exam room but having to doing something practical and and so it's almost like a practical exam in itself and um yeah i can i can see that um but do you do you, do you see it as um putting the qualifications bit aside but as they as they're getting down to it are you seeing um a kind of a, a music therapy almost thing being at play and also regards to dance that when when they when they partake in in these activities, particularly as they're very physical, 
um, that it is therapeutic and it does sort of keep the whatever that's going on in their minds at bay if you know if they've had a difficult past growing up and that sort of thing yeah like an escapism oh definitely i think the art have such a role to play in that as well mm. and just the creative industries as a whole yeah it, it definitely 100 percent has if people switch off when they walk through the door mm. right is whether it be the music stuff or dance because if you're, especially if you're learning a routine or doing something for a competition, yeah, it's it's that process and it's like, right then, I've got to get the next eighth count. There's another eighth count. This is a bit fast. There's a change of music. Yeah, You can't think about what you've done previously for the rest of the day or what's happened at home or the row that you've had with your parents. Mm-hmm. It's all about that process for the time that you're in there. Yeah. Is, and I think it kind of can have such a positive effect. Mm-hmm. And being almost part of a team as well. Yeah. That can bring great things. Mm. Sort of having that kindred spirits effect and, you know, kind of brotherhood and sisterhoods amongst, you know, shared experiences. And you've got got that, the group of your peers around you as well that you can talk to about stuff. So, so Caroline, I've had some recent podcast chats with sort of um, nature groups and there's something that was brought up, something called... um, green prescriptions and what that what that means is that doctors are sort of um prescribing you know from the usual you know be you know the medication route or anything else but also to get out there and join in organizations have you been involved in anything like that where um you know you, you've had sort of kids being almost prescribed towards things that you're doing if not would you like to see a potential for that kind of thing happening where you know kids they might not necessarily have to go down uh, uh, something within the the, 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 the streets of, you know, counselling or, or medication, but doing something practical with you guys can be an outlet as well. Yeah, we have had a couple of people come to us, mm-hmm. mostly around confidence issues, okay. being sent along to us for that kind of thing, and just, it's almost like putting on the show, putting on your mask. Yeah. being able to deal with problems. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have had a couple of children that have been sent along to us for that and have went from one-on-one sessions to mm-hmm. being able to go into small groups and then into bigger groups. Yeah. And I think the social prescribing thing is a brilliant. It's, it can help on every age group. Sure. And with so many is, and we're seeing more and more. Um, I also teach the older community. Mm-hmm. And I do things like Yuzumba Gold classes. Yeah. It's absolutely brilliant. And I think hand in hand with medicine, yeah, it, it can work absolute wonders. It really can. Yeah, I mean, we, we've covered, I mean, even pre- before this whole COVID-19 thing, uh, we were talking a lot about social prescribing in, in our previous shows. And it's, I, I think with, with the time that we're at now, to see it more, um, see it more and more is is probably one of the most more encouraging things that might help us get through this. Um, I mean, so yeah, I mean, you you've covered it really well there, Caroline. I'm really thrilled to hear all that. It's brilliant. So unfortunately, when we when we hit this year in March 2020, I mean, uh, what was it like for you guys? I mean, it must have felt like slam slamming into a truck. And did it did it all come to a proverbial halt for you guys then? Basically, we went. It was weird because, like most people, we were being told it's no worse than flu. There's nothing to worry mm. about, and everything seemed to be as normal. Yeah. And then 
start to get worse. Mm -hmm. Then numbers and classes started to drop. Yeah. Then we heard that we might be going into this national lockdown. Mm -hmm. And we always said, when the local schools close, that's us. No matter if we're allowed open, that's the point when we close because safety and safety of the people that we work for is more important than anything else. Yeah. So on the Thursday, the schools closed on the Friday and we closed the doors at half past eight on the Thursday night. Yeah. And it was awful. Yeah. I was walking out of the place. Absolutely, was like my heart just sank because we nobody knew when we might reopen, mm -hmm. um, if we might reopen. And then as time went on, mm -hmm. we the lockdown went on mm -hmm. and on and we weren't getting any information mm -hmm. obviously as an organization we had full costs to bear as well yeah so we still had to pay for the building that we were in yeah and then we sat with the board and had a chat and decided that we had to give up our dance studio mm. so we gave that up in i think it was june we moved the last bits and bobs out there and put everything into storage to basically preserve the life of the organization yeah. because there's only at some point you're going to run out of money yeah so we put everything into a storage unit and basically retracted into our shell until probably next year mm -hmm. which is absolutely heartbreaking because yeah. everything that you've worked for and everything that you've done previous you go well what we're going to do I imagine um, you had a lot of plans this year, like in the summer, for example. And... Well, it was our 10th year. Yeah, So exactly, in yeah. August, we would have been 10. And every year, we've had a big birthday party. Right. So we were, and we always have like a big celebration event. And we bring, we've brought big name DJs up, dance acts, all sorts. Mm -hmm. um, but obviously, this year, it was a case of our, right, none of that will happen. All the holiday play that we do every single year, like we work with, thousands of kids yeah across the summer holidays nothing happened mm -hmm. and we couldn't do anything so basically a lot of the staff ended up going out and volunteering with other organizations and finding work with other organizations and doing a lot of volunteering i personally went off and did a school uniform project over the summer holidays okay. because there were so many people who were desperate for school uniform that just couldn't afford it with everything that was going mm -hmm. on mm -hmm. and then doing things like delivering food parcels the things that lots of people are doing yeah but it, it kept our hand out in the community and mm. it, was, it was nice to see some familiar faces out yeah. and about before we talk a little bit more about the the community work we're doing were you I guess when you when when March hit and you realized that you couldn't go on this year were you trying to think of ways to carry on uh, you know things like doing stuff online or was it just just yeah, not feasible it's it's the time and getting everybody online at the same time yeah. and I think you've got a number of issues about getting online like we were with some people that haven't got the digital capabilities at yeah. home mm -hmm. so and it's been able to do it and do it well yeah. And we found that some people just weren't interested. It was almost like an extended holiday. It's like, ah, oh, this is great. And we had such great weather trying to bring young yeah, people back yeah. in front of screens and stuff. Mm -hmm. I just don't think it was going to happen for us. Yeah. So, yeah, we took the decision not to go down that route, Yeah. which which is a shame in many ways. But I also think it was probably the right decision for us to take. Mm -hmm. And... Uh... One last thing regarding the funders, where you you, you mentioned you, you you kicked off by with the, the the lottery funding in the beginning, are you still getting help there, or is it going to? Well, 
we've tried to do it in such a way that it's self-sustainable so mm. we do lots of like all the holiday playing stuff and the mm. work for the council pays for stuff mm. so we if we can we try not to go for funding and if we do it's 100 percent spent on projects that yeah. we run okay. to make sure that the stuff is free of charge so to be honest we probably should have made more grant applications over the years than what we have mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it's always been there's always been enough there so we haven't it sounds like it's almost like we're lazy but we just haven't bothered because well, we're doing all right. The yeah. bills were getting paid, yeah. and we had stuff coming in from the schools and the other the mm. other work that we were doing. So yeah. And uh, regards to next year, then, do you have a date in mind, or are you just sort of seeing what happens, sort of thing? Ideally, I would love to be back up and running and doing stuff again come Easter. Yeah. But it really, nobody knows what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. over the winter really yeah and the way things and figures are in this area yeah it's so up and down and i think i'd rather that we proceeded with caution than rushed back into it mm -hmm. and i just there's a lot of other stuff going on as well especially in the dance world yeah a lot of the big competitions and things aren't running yeah which also has an impact on so the end game it's yeah. like if it gives you always have that goal of something to aim for with the yeah. dance competitions yeah. and with none of them running because they're not allowed large numbers mm -hmm. it's a case of almost wait and see what happens and mm. what other avenues we can take as an organization because i just think that there is other things that we are looking at yeah but it all takes time yeah I keep saying last question, but my mind just keeps thinking of questions. I, I find this really. I was late, and we're still here. I, I find this really, really interesting. Um, I just I was curious to what the feedback you were getting from kids during lockdown were they, were they kind of down that you guys weren't around, or were they kind of like understandable well, the situation? Still had, yeah, we've still had young people still checking in with us. Yeah. Um, and we've still been doing because at the end of the day, no matter who you are. When somebody reaches out for help, yeah. you help them. You yeah. don't say, oh, by the way, I'm not at work. Mm -hmm. Deal with it. You, you you signpost, you still do stuff. So it's like I've had, I've been, there's been all sorts come through from people being lonely yeah. to people whose eating disorders have skyrocketed and mm. there's been lots of issues there Yeah. to just things like parents are not having any money mm -hmm. and the kids worrying about it's like the bigger issues that the, the yeah. young people are worried about as well yeah. and that they, they almost feel sometimes like they can be a bit of a burden so mm -hmm. they might message and go do you know anywhere if, if anybody knows where my parents can get some help you will know oh, um, wow. so and it, it's it's good to be able to be that person that somebody can turn yeah. you and we've had the family members we've had parents come to us as well asking for help mm. um so it's good to be that good to know that we are still that person that people can turn to if they need something well this just so, this is just furthers the point you were make we were making at the beginning where you were venturing into areas where you, you didn't know were going to happen and then and then you know a year of lockdown and 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 families kids are still approaching you guys to say you know can you help us i mean I bet you wouldn't have thought of that at the beginning, eh? Something like that. And it's like it's weird because I've, it's like people. My phone book is the most diverse 
like phone list and like you can have like I almost keep people by jobs. Right. Okay. <laughs> so I, I know who to send people to and it's like, oh do you if you need somebody a really good DJ, right, I've got a list of them. Yeah. You need a good street dancer, somebody to come and do a project. Yeah. Or if you need somebody from Super Solid to come and do something. Mm-hmm. But also if you need some kind of therapy this mm-hmm. problem with domestic abuse mm-hmm. you need a 24-hour helpline for this yeah i've got in my phone book somewhere right and i pride myself and it's like i've always my mum <laughs> that, that woman bless yeah. her right she's always said be nice to everybody that you meet on the wheel because you meet them yeah. again on the way back down mm. is and i just think you never know at what point you might need somebody again absolutely is or who you might meet again in a different life it's like some of um the police and fire fire brigade people that i met back when i used to work in bars and nightclubs mm-hmm. i have since met again running the community projects right amazing. and we've worked together so you just never know when you're going to make them connections or come across people again in a different part of your life so i mean it's not yeah i mean it's not too dissimilar to to myself in that you know i um i was a sort of full-on activist right in the beginning and after my breakdown i felt that um you know i I was able to rely on the networks that were available to me but and i feel i feel really fortunate that it was there for me but i know for so many out there it, it isn't and i just felt you know that you wanted to help put something back, you know, so got involved with projects such as this radio show and sort of signposting people. So um, it's great that we have the likes of you guys on. Um, Caroline, I'm interested to know what, so you, so you, you you ventured into sort of different other community projects within as, as lockdown was happening. What were those specific ones? Some of you already alluded to. And what was it like, particularly where you are in terms of... The whole of COVID's been a great leveller because at the end of the day, if you've got 100% bills yeah. on an 80% income or no income, mm-hmm. it's the, the problems soon start to mount up. Yeah. And we've seen a lot of problems with, as I say, the school uniforms. Um, generally, people... the. Ch- the change in lifestyle, mm-hmm. if you've been used to having the best of everything and being able to do what you want yeah. at any given moment and then that's gone, mm-hmm. I think it can it can hit you hard. Yeah. Is it's like it's almost it's like when I was growing up we never really had a lot. Mm-hmm. But you sort of you get used to what you've got. Yeah. Is that that whole thing you cut your clock. So I think when something's taken away mm-hmm you miss it whereas if you've never had in the first place you aspire to have it but you don't really miss it because you've never had it in the first place so we've seen a lot of um, a lot of mental health problems caused by that and a lot of anxiety and did you see that did you did you see those specific um um, conditions come to light especially when you're down at the food banks and and because a lot of the recipients get taught don't they that they um you know whether it be you know drug and drinks and all that sort of thing or, or layabouts you know the kind of the, the, like the media like to speculate about that kind of thing but so i, I volunteered in my local food bank as well and uh, it's almost like that sort of i daniel blake scenario isn't it where you've got a lot of people who even people who were doing well at the beginning but their the network beneath them just fell because they'd fallen on hard times and i i, I wonder if you agree with me that this lockdown period has sort of shown a whole new appreciation of what that network is and how we should continue to support it because we're all vulnerable at the end of the day, aren't we? 
completely and I think it has opened so many people's eyes to that as yeah. well and made people realize that actually in work poverty yeah is a massive thing it's like the northeast of England is like child poverty how can it be a thing yeah I know. is where we live we're one of yeah. the richest nations and we've got kids that are going hungry unless they go to school to have dinner and it's just plain wrong yeah. but uh, yeah there's definitely been <clears throat> I've seen a lot more of people going, actually, I am one payday away from not being able to pay my rent. Yeah. I am one payday away from losing my car. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it's made people a lot more caring in some ways, mm-hmm. but also a lot more anxious about their own problems and mm-hmm. how things in their life are working out. Mm-hmm. Because so many people are mm-hmm. living on credit from. Yeah. And once once they've paid all the bills, there's very little left. Yeah. So I think it ha- it has caused a lot of anxiety and stress for people. Have you seen a sort of a solidarity in and around where you live, right? Then in regards to sort of helping out, you know, um, you would have seen it within your own work that you do anyway. But when it came to lockdown, did you see an even more sort of wholesome approach to it? Oh, definitely. And the number of volunteers that I've seen step forward especially people that had been furloughed from work mm-hmm. who were they were desperate to help mm-hmm. is and they wanted to be the, the whole be the change in the community they were out they wanted to walk dogs yeah. they wanted to be involved they wanted to be signposted and i think it's most of the projects that we were involved in had more people want to volunteer than jobs that needed to be done mm-hmm. which was a great situation to be in yeah but it's I just think it's a, a bit of a shame. I think there's it's weird now because we've had a lot of people starting to get annoyed with the whole lockdown process and wanting mm-hmm. to get back to some kind of normality. Mm-hmm. Is But then, obviously, we've got this whole thing with the free school meals mm-hmm. and the number of businesses around here, especially, that have stepped up to the plate yeah. to jump in has been absolutely unreal. Like, you know, when you turn around and go, I'm so proud of the area where I come from because the number of businesses that have turned around went right and might want to pay, provide 50 pack lunches, yeah. no questions asked. And the thing is, and it's not just been for kids that are on free school meals mm. because there's been so many people that are on the brink yeah. that ha- are, are at the moment that they're not able to access the free school meal system. Mm-hmm. So it's... The number of businesses that have just turned around and went, no questions asked, you need help, come and take it. There's a post-it note on the front door, grab it and hand it in. So, and I just think that is, it's been absolutely brilliant. It's and we're, we're seeing it right now, aren't we, in response to the whole kind of current free school meals debacle, all the sort of food companies stepping up, which is really nice to see. Um, yeah, we've, we've had sort of like the food banks and mutual aid groups on our podcast before and uh, they kind of very much the work they they do very much echo what what you're saying um um caroline we're we're almost reaching the end i was wondering as as your kind of work uh, within bad apples northeast reflects the arts and this is a question i've I've asked um other guests on the podcast who are involved with in this particular area um and I'm, i'm i'm a creative person myself you know I'm a, I'm a graphic designer and i work in the rag trade and so forth so and we're all kind of and you know even on a social level i, I love putting on gigs um i love going to theater i love i love the cinema um 
and I'm really kind of we're all really scratching our heads as to what what next year what what the arts is going to look like at the other the other end of this. Uh, have you had any thoughts to that? What are your particular insights, is predictions, sort of thing? Oh, I'm missing it. Yeah, it's like so much. Yeah. It's like you know to the point where I didn't think I would miss <clears> it as much as what I did. Mm-hmm. Is it's like I really. It's like, I don't know about you, but things like live comedy. Oh, yeah, one of my favourites, like, yeah. You know, I want to see somebody, I want to go to the stage yeah. and see somebody I haven't seen before and have my mind blown. <laughs> so, but I just think it will come back. Yeah. I think it's never going to, like, I, I find it really sad that there's going to be a generation of kids that don't go into nightclubs with 500 people with sweat running down the walls. Uh, um, And like that kind of thing that people are going to miss out on. And I think it's going to take a while for it to come back in its current form. Yeah. But I think there'll always be creative industries. As long as there's creative people, there will be creative industries. Cannot cannot really survive though with with social distancing in mind, and I'm I'm keeping in mind with with the work you do as well. I mean, I'll give you an example where another um uh, youth project group that we had were were sort of experimenting the ideas of, for example, when it came to um doing Zumba outdoors and sort of thought, or dancing that they were using like big hula hoops so to you know to for for kids to sort of stand within and, and that kind of thing. Is there is there much future with that? Is that going to be the new thing, or is that just going to be temporary measure? Do you think? I think that's going to be, as I say, the new normal for now. Yeah. And I think when things like the theatres reopen, everybody's going to have to be in their social groups. Yeah. And I can see it being like that for the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. But I think eventually it will return back to normal. Mm-hmm. And I think people will end up; they will forget this whole phase, yeah. and they'll look back like yeah. a distant memory. But I think it, it is going to be like that for the next couple of years, unfortunately. But I think I honestly think as long as there's creative people, there will always be a way. When you look at things like the lockdown discos and stuff that happen, yeah. things like crowd karaoke, and um, what was it, the, the lockdown that was yeah, happening as well, yeah, yeah. there'll always be ways. And even live theatre, it hasn't really continued as such. Mm. But there has been fundraisers, performances, and I think creative people find creative ways of doing stuff. Yeah, and absolutely. Will I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of particularly the small independent venues, and uh, obviously with those those sorts of venues, um, uh, they try and fit as many seats within and try and cram as many people in because obviously they need the they need the income in but that in a sense. Yeah. But with our worry for them, which you know, will social distancing um, equate to how they survive? And it doesn't look very likely. And I just hope that you know that that they pull through, especially because I think the bigger venues will. I know that the Sage, for example, has had recent sort of um, money towards their sort of um, upkeep and survival. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, like. But but you mentioned I, I I like the the what you said about the nightclubs but you know I, I'm a big I love going to gigs and uh, I used to be a big one for those early mosh pits I'm I'm thinking I'm past that age now <laughs> but um, yeah I mean so the, in Gosforth they had those big outdoor events didn't they where they had sort of segregated um, uh, you know sort of little little blocks if you like for for I guess you know groups of people but now under these new sort of um, 
um, you know, household mixing rules and everything and all that. I mean, I haven't been to a, you know, I'm a regular at St. James's Park for the football. And uh, I wonder how that's going to pan out even when fans are allowed back in because, you know, people go to events, you know, in, in, with their family or their friends or these different groups. And how are you going to, how are you going to organise that? It's just going to be really difficult. You, you know, you'd have... You, I think people's mindset has changed as well. Yeah. It's like some of the younger kids that we work with, I've, I've seen a couple in Asda a couple of weeks ago, yeah. and literally one ran, ran across the shop to come and say hello to me, and I was like, oh no, yeah. stop! Is yeah. <laughs> Because it's almost, we've almost got that little bit of fear now, where it's like we're, we're not allowed to hug, we're not allowed to high-five yeah. each other. Is we're not allowed to be in groups, and I think getting past that almost social anxiety of being around people again. Yeah. Is but I just think as far as the big events go, I think especially for this next couple of years, we're going to see a lot less of them hmm. because it's all about the whole being financially viable, yeah. and if you can only fit a quarter of a crowd in, and you've still got all the costs. Mm-hmm. It's people aren't going to put money into stuff. So yeah. I think that's why we're seeing a lot less of things happening. And with things like the possibility of moving up to years of lockdown, because mm. there, was, there was going to be a lot more outdoor stuff going on across the summer yeah. that got cancelled just due to the local lockdowns. Mm. And I, I think people are going to almost be very cautious mm-hmm. and for the next couple of years until we can get back to some kind of normality. Which is a shame, but I, I can't understand where they're coming from as well. And I think the smaller venues, a lot of them are doing almost what we've done and mm. just going into some kind of hibernation mm. so you can't come back. Mm. And it's it's a horrible thing to have to do because you want to be out, you want to be I doing know. stuff. And, and I'm, I'm a bit sort of precarious, cautious about next year as well because obviously a, a lot of gigs and, and stuff were cancelled and postponed or rescheduled for next year so i've written down in my in the end of my diary like all these things are supposedly going to happen next year and i, and I want to get the tickets but part of me is thinking well we'll hold back because you don't even know if they're gonna carry on or go forward you just kind of like you know yeah i've got tickets for stuff that was meant to happen last year right not last year this, this year, year. <laughs> it feels like last year doesn't it yeah, yeah but that hasn't been moved to next year mm. And it's like you get the email through saying, oh, well, if you want, you can get a refund. And it's like, oh, I want to support the venues yeah, and the right, artists. And everything to support. Yeah. I don't know what I'm going to be doing next September, October, mm-hmm. November. But I just think it will all come good again. Mm. I think life would be very, very dull without the art, without music, yeah. without graffiti, mm. without designers. without. If you take the creative industries away, literally you have no colour. Yeah. Is and you have no T V, you have you have nothing. Well there'll be no soul because art nourishes the soul of everybody, doesn't it? Actually. Can you imagine how miserable people yeah. would be without music? Yeah, I know. Is without without the creativity. I, I just think it's 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 really sad to see what's happening to the art industry as a whole and people yeah. within it, especially the people that aren't on the payroll. Yeah. The ones that are doing the self-employed that are just they've missed out on so. I still, yeah. Plans. I mean, despite all the negativity, and and you've been brilliantly optimistic, and and 
and rightly so because I think there is room for optimism in this because you know through through sort of dark periods comes great art at the end of it which reflects it you know um so I think next year and 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 beyond we'll have a lot of shared experiences and I, and I have a feeling that you might you might see it from the kind of kids that you um work with as well the kind of like you know, a lot of them will be writing diaries about their their experiences of of twenty twenty and and the pandemic, and and they'll be wanting they'll be taking photographs, they'll be writing poetry, and you know, I've I've, I've chatted to some creative writers on this podcast, and and they sort of share the same thing. I mean, imagine imagine the publishers might one day soon get inundated by by people who've written stuff about the pandemic, you know, books, novels, and all that sort of stuff. So. Uh, and even sort of movies, people have been writing movies. I think, I think there's been some COVID nineteen movies already shown and done, and that kind of thing. So, um, oh, there has. There's, there's been loads of different stuff, and there's been things like the talking heads, where people have been recording stuff at that's home. That's right, yeah. And some of the producers have been doing stuff that's it's coming on TV now. Yeah. So you've got all that kind of stuff, and I just think even just that thing like TikTok. Who would have thought yeah, good one. that TikTok would bring so many people together in the challenges yeah. and grandma dancing with the grandkids in a garden yeah. going viral, yeah. spreading joy and like things like that. Like that is money you can't buy stuff. So I think the art will always it will always survive. Mm. It'll always be a struggle. Mm. Artists will always be artists, and they'll they'll do it no matter what, yeah. is I think there's so many artists that even in the best of times struggle by mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, because you might get a week's worth of work and then not do anything for three months. Yeah. So, as I say, I think the art will always be around, the creative industries will always be around yeah. and they'll always come back stronger Yeah. because um, they'll ha- just have new stories to tell and Absolutely. new music to make. Absolutely. Um, interesting what you said about the kids at the supermarket. I was wondering, have you been making sort of mental notes about, because um, kids are naturally gregarious and interactive, and if there are some social distancing rules to be made when you know when things return, have you been making like mental notes of how things should be done, or is it a case of like you know, or are you sort of resigned to the fact that you can't really do that with kids? That you know, kids will always be well, kids. The thing is, it's like the week before we went into lockdown, and yeah. you know when the whole wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands, yeah. sanitize, sanitize. So we were still teaching classes mm-hmm. and like it's almost you do you automatically with like four, five, six year olds, you high five them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then it was high five, sanitize, oh, high right. five. Okay. Having to do that with yeah. a group of like fifteen, twenty kids. Yeah. My hands were red raw <laughs> um from the amount of alcohol gel. Yeah. But I didn't want to take that away from the kids. Of course, yeah. So and I think you need you need that kids need that reward as well. So I just think it's going to be really really hard. It's and quite con- it's quite time, cognitive for them, isn't it? It's sort of part of their development, you know, to have that interaction. Almost like on big up where you get the, the handshake. Yeah, it's like if you get a high five in a class, it means something. I know, I know. It, yeah. it really does. Yeah. and I think if you start taking things like that away, how do you replace that? What do you replace it with? Because mm. a stick is not the same. Yeah. Um, so I just think it's it, there's going to, we're going to have to find new ways of doing so much. Mm-hmm. We really are. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've got no doubt that we'll do it. Yeah. But it's a case of, and we, we need to tackle them bridges when we come to them. Because at the end of the day, when a, a, a child falls over as well, mm-hmm. 
you still administer first Absolutely. aid, you're still within close contact, and it's just about being safe mm-hmm. is and keeping everybody else around you safe. And it's just it's finding them new ways to work. So, and you will have your it. you will have your tenth birthday party next year, won't you? You'll... Uh, we will have tenth and eleventh. It'll okay. be a bigger birthday party than ever. Okay. Um, final final question, Caroline, and thanks for your time. Um, I sh- I should have asked this at the beginning, actually. I just want to ask, like, how how you are and how 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 your mental health has been throughout COVID and the pandemic. Have you have you has it been bad for you? Have you had to remain optimistic because of the you know friends and family and the kids you work with um just what's what's it been like on a personal level I, it was weird because at the beginning yeah in my in my day job work for the council i was still working mm-hmm. so like life was still pretty normal by day yeah and it was just weird mm-hmm. it was just weird because there was nobody else around so like, i was driving around there was nobody on the roads yeah and the first i would say that probably the first six weeks Life for me just seemed pretty normal, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty resilient and pretty upbeat and little miss positivity and like I help people. That's yeah. what I do. Yeah. But then it's as time went by, mm-hmm. I started to go. Actually, when are we going to see the end of this? Mm-hmm. What's going on? Mm-hmm. Why can't I see my friends and seeing other people struggling so much yeah. and not being able to help? Yeah. Started to affect me. Mm-hmm. And seeing other people around me struggling, like when my mum, who hadn't been out the house for months and months and months, when she started to get upset about stuff, Mm -hmm. it started to really affect me. And you do, I do the almost, I put the mask on, little miss, I put on the performance. Yeah. And I, but after, and not wanting my mum to see that I was upset. So Mm -hmm. even if I had a bad day or anything like that, everything was bells and whistles and fantastic. Yeah, but then on a night time, I'd come home and almost go, yeah. and have to offload everything because yeah. I was exhausted from putting on the yeah. the act. Yeah. So I found that, as I say, the first couple of months I was absolutely fine. It was sunny. I was running all the time. I lost a bit of weight. I was mm-hmm. bit, had more time because I wasn't at work on a night time. Yeah. Got a tan, <laughs> and then as I say, the, the weather turned, and we were still. It wasn't, it wasn't great anymore. Mm-hmm. And I started to see a lot of people and then that started to really affect me as well. Yeah. And I did get down and it, my sleep, I don't know, the, I'm sure there's loads of people that I start to have anxiety dreams about just things that... Yeah, never we, we, talked quite, um, we talked quite essentially about uh, um, sleep issues. Uh, it's been a common problem we talked about with our therapist, Nikki, in an earlier podcast, yeah. Is, and I think as things are starting... Mm-hmm. fingers crossed to return to some kind of normality mm-hmm. and because i'm busier again yeah i think I'd, I'd, i haven't got as much time to think which is almost a good thing for me mm-hmm. it is i think i think that out of anything i would say that's pro- my, my problem mm-hmm. i don't deal with anything i just put it in the shed yeah <laughs> is shut the door again mm-hmm. and keep myself busy which is probably an, some for my mental health, it's probably not a good thing long term, mm-hmm. but I think a lot of people do it. Yeah, is where we'll say we just cope with it another day. But on the <laughs> other hand, the fact that you went out your way and it helped and and met people uh, that would benefit from you know the the work that you've done for them, that 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 that's a huge positive to your mental health, isn't it? Oh, completely! Yeah. Is I absolutely love it, yeah. and being able to know that you can make a difference. Yeah. 
it's just like the whole thing, the reason bad apple started in the first place yeah. is I wanted to make like people turn around, well, what are you doing running a not for profit organisation? Why would you do such a thing? Yeah. Is and they look like you've you've lost your mind. Mm-hmm. And it's actually I want to make an improvement on the area that I live. I want to give young people more chances. Completely I, agree. I yeah. want people's aspirations. Like, mm. because do you know, instead of like, I've always had that bit of a why not attitude. Mm. Is like in Wayne's world where they do the whole group, <laughs> then they will come. I've always done that, and I've always like rang people and asked people the question yeah. is like, can you do that forward? Will you do it? Is yeah. I know your normal phase this, but we've only got that. Yeah, and I just think it's good that to be able to make a difference where you live to the mm. people that you care about. And the people, like, I see so many people that were me when I was a teenager mm, around here. Yeah. Is, and if I had spoke to, like, 15-year-old me yeah. and went, right, then you're going to win awards, you're going to be a qualified teacher, you're going to be this, you're going to be that. Like, I'm, like I put my name forward to be a councillor next year Brilliant. Um, for the local elections because I think, again, politics isn't for everyone. Mm. But on the other hand, if people like me don't get involved in politics people like me aren't represented in politics yeah is and you can see so many people on the telly and you go what do they know actually i do know because i've lived on your street (laughs) is i know the problems are from my town because it's my town Um, lived lived experience yeah so yeah yeah I, i think the whole reason you get involved in something is to make a change and well, we'll that, that's look, look forward to the day when you enter the Houses of Parliament as a newly elected. Um, who knows? Who knows? You know. Is well, I would. Lo- do you know what is long term? I would love to be able to represent young people, music, and the arts and culture mm. because it's so undervalued in Absolutely, this country. Yeah. yeah. And like we, like I know you understand the difference it can make, yeah. and how listening to a song can take it to a different time and place to absolutely. a memory or it can just lift your mood absolutely so i just think that is such a massive thing and i think it's so undervalued in this country as a whole i would love to represent people and go actually we need we need somebody like me being a bit randy <laughs> well listeners you heard it here first um <laughs> Well, we have we've had we've had a couple of MPs on on the podcast before, yeah. and very similar origins to what you have. So, um, yeah, I can see it in you, and good luck to you. Um, all that's left to me said is, uh, uh, Caroline, thank you very much for for chatting to Mentally Sound, and uh, we Thanks wish for having me. no, you're welcome, and we wish Bad Apples Northeast every success, and you do have that eleventh birthday party next year. And uh, yeah, we'll love to speak to you again and hopefully in, in better times as well. Thank you. But continue the great work. And uh, yeah, thanks very much, Caroline. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you. See you. See you now. Thanks. Bye. Bye. It's been good. Bye. Bye.